game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and A A Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm Chris Allen, the host of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. And I'm Adam Wildy, the co-host of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast, and I'll get us started with the foreword. Peter Howard's episode was last week on analytics and film, so go ahead and check that out. That was uh, so much fun. We've got the Debbie Owners Combine episode out, so definitely go check that out, especially when pro days are going on. Um, you know, you, you kind of get to put everything together now, now that these pro days are coming out. Um, I've started the post-hibernation weight loss challenge you know we've all been hibernating over the winter and putting on those pounds so we're going to try to knock those out and we have a lot of awesome prizes i mean we have a scott fishbowl entry we've got dynasty command center we've got the analytics of dynasty which we actually had jordan mcnamara on to talk about his book we've got a dlf subscription i mean the prizes go on and on so if you're trying to lose some weight or if you'd like to sponsor a friend who's trying to lose some weight, definitely stay tuned for that. And as always, we've got the swag available at FF underscore outfitters. Yeah. I think all of those things are things that all the folks listening tonight should be trying to get a piece of. And the, yes, that post hibernation weight loss challenge, uh, while I think, uh, I'm, I will probably be sponsoring Adam for the most part because I'm going to be relying on his strength uh, in the in the early June time frame. Uh, he and I are going to be doing a, a Tough mutter together down in the woods of Virginia somewhere, so I, I'm going to need him to actually start cutting that weight. Uh, so yeah, I, I need Adam to win this. So so y'all watch out. I'm going to be I'm going to be on his ass trying to make sure that he beats everybody. So so definitely uh, check your that life out. is dependent on my, my success. My life, yeah, my livelihood. This podcast, man. What are you talking about? The people need us, so this podcast is dependent on you. One, winning that challenge. Two, keeping me alive in June. And then three, keeping this podcast running like after we wind up doing this event in June. So we definitely need that to happen. But all right. All right. Jokes aside, uh, we're here tonight uh, with Ethan Turner. Uh, now, Ethan, you have just a laundry list of places that you contribute to. But I think everybody knows you as kind of the, the injury guy, right? Uh, so now with one, your actual studies i mean that's what that's part of your profession what you're trying to be but then also the work that you do for uh, for dynasty 101 dynasty happy hour fs statistics i mean all those wonderful sites but so that's why we really wanted to bring you on tonight is to try and get a feel for i guess the value of injuries and what you see when things actually happen either live or once you go back to take a look at some of the injuries uh so that's Part of what we wanted to talk with you tonight, and then of course the practical application for how that affects the players and their dynasty value. So, I mean, just to hop right into it, we wanted to try and, I guess, to, to go down a quick rabbit hole and let's say that as you're watching a game, you see an injury occur in real time or you hear about an injury and you want to go back and take a look at what happened to that player to try and figure out, okay, well, what was the injury mechanism? How long do you would you expect for that player to be out? So can you kind of take us through that process for the things that you look for once you see the injury occur? So what are the specifics? It could change, I guess, obviously, depending on the injury itself. But assuming the player is okay or we hope that the player is, is safe and not, uh, not no permanent damage or anything like that. But what do your eyes look for once you see that injury occur? Yeah, so, yeah, we're definitely going down a rabbit hole here. Uh, first, I just want to thank, say thanks for bringing me on, guys. I, uh, I've listened to the show, so I'm excited to kind of get on here and talk about my passion in fantasy football, which is obviously the injury thing. But back to this question, I think really the first thing I look at when it comes to an, a player's injured on the field 
you know, is, is how did it happen? What happened when this guy hit the ground? You know, was the injury a contact injury or non-contact injury? So when a guy gets hit, I can tell you a lot about kind of what I'm looking for as far as what structures are damaged. If a guy doesn't get hit, it's usually worse. Honestly, if it's a non-contact injury, that means something has failed within that player. Almost always you see this with an ACL injury, you know, basically the guy plants his foot twists and then his, he, he crumbles to the ground because his, his knee basically gives out on him. But like Dalvin um, Cook, what was that a couple of years back? I mean, you can almost see it immediately when it happened. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the ACL is kind of the one that the famous one, you know, I, I, I feel like anytime you see a guy go down without getting hit, everyone's immediate reaction is, Oh, that's an ACL injury. You know, you really don't have to know that much about medicine to kind of, that's, that's pretty common knowledge at this point. But for me, at least I'm more interested in, in what, where, where do the parts go? What gets hit? What is the guy, how does he react to that injury? You know, uh, if a guy gets hit on the outside of the knee, it's actually the MCL on the inside that you're more concerned about. If a guy gets hit on the inside of the knee, it's the LCL on the outside that you're worried about. So, you know, how these injuries occur is very important to deciding, okay, how serious is this? What does it look like? You know, how are they reacting? How are the, the people around them reacting? You know, do they seem like they're in a lot of pain? Those are all things that I can kind of pick up on and just right in the moment and say, okay, this is either pretty bad or it's, it's really, really bad. Um, as far as after that kind of initial video, um, I really try personally to see what the trainers are doing once they get out on the field. And I think this is the one that's the most frustrating for me as kind of a, a future healthcare professional. I'm not quite through school yet, but give me about 10 more weeks and then I'll get to put that big doctorate on the back of my name. But well, congrats in advance. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm close, but the thing is, is that you can get a lot of information with what those trainers are doing right when they get onto the field. You know, they hit the field, they're doing four or five tests to figure out, okay, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt? And all each one of those tests can help you decide what the diagnosis is on the field. You know, some things you can tell pretty much immediately. An ACL tear, you can diagnose it pretty accurately on the field. Um, obviously like a major break or something like that, you're, you're going to see it in the video. So you're not really going to, it's not really going to tell you much, but the problem is, is that as soon as a guy goes down on the field, okay, we'll show the injury five times. Then we won't show anything that the trainers are doing. Mm -hmm. So I think of a, a video that came out this year that really helped me a lot with a guy was Josh Allen. It was actually a video on the sideline. And basically what happened was the trainer kind of takes his, his hand and kind of pulls it to the side. And the guy, I mean, he jumps, basically just jumps to the ground in pain. And what that test was is it's a test to test the, the UCL or the ulnar collateral ligament that's on the inside of your elbow. And as soon as you see the test, I go, oh man, he's got a UCL injury. And it's immediate because it's, that's exactly what it would look like if that's the case. The problem is, is that we don't usually get those tests on video. So, uh, when we, I wish we could, but we don't. So that's another thing that I'm looking for. And then kind of after that initial reaction phase, I'm always trying to see what the team comes out with the next couple of days as far as an official diagnosis. Now, I say official because it's what the team's going to tell you the diagnosis is. And the, the team will, if it's something major, the team will tell you straight up, Hey, we think he's got an ACL tear, you know, we're going to confirm it with an MRI. And I'll tell you with something like that, they already know that it's an ACL tear. They're just trying to figure out how much damage are we looking at and is anything else involved? But really those are the three big things, you know, how did it happen? Uh, what kind of tests do they do on the field? And then what do they say after the fact? And that's really what, I look at as far as looking at an injury as it happens. Gotcha. Now, when you see a guy go down, like say Leonard Fournette goes down, are you immediately thinking ankle? I mean, do you kind of factor in the, the past injury history when you start seeing those injuries uh, happen on the field? You know, I think you, I think you have to kind of look at each in injury as a vacuum, you know, uh, obviously the big thing with the histories is more about predicting where is this guy most likely uh, at risk of being injured, you know, the biggest predictor that we have of future injury 
the best thing you can do is look at what's already happened to that player. You know, if there's, you know, with Fournette, for example, obviously long history of ankle issues. So when if I if I just hear, you know, Leonard Fournette got hurt, th- that is the first thing in my head that. Yeah, it's probably an ankle because he has this long history of ankle injuries. We know that once you sprain an ankle once, you're significantly more likely to sprain that ankle again down the road. His risk is already up compared to everybody else on the field that doesn't have that history. Um, but as far as, you know, analyzing the injuries like on the spot, it's you really have to look at each one individually in a vacuum. Um, one thing that I do uh, for Dynasty 101 is actually collect injury histories for the rookie classes that are coming in. And shameless plug, you can actually get access to all of those injuries for somewhere close to 120 offensive players. And this year we're doing defensive players as well, uh, which is not really my forte, but injuries apply to everybody. So luckily I can kind of cross over there, even though I'm not much of an IDP guy. Um, And you can actually buy those for, you can pre-order that, that rookie digest now, and you can get those injury histories. And I actually give a risk assessment for each of those guys. And I think last year, uh, the rookies that I gave a high risk assessment to, Close to 90% of them ended up missing a game at some point in the season. So uh, I'm fine-tuning that kind of formula as I go along with these. But, you know, obviously those injury histories are – it's the best way that you can predict a future injury. Um, not saying that I can tell you exactly what that injury is going to be, but I can definitely tell you which players are more likely to get hurt. Wow. So that definitely sounds like something we should be looking out for. And you kind of touched on um, how teams come out with the news – what are you kind of looking for when these teams come out with the news? I mean, so take hockey, for example. They're going to tell you if it was upper body or lower body. I think over the years in the NFL recently, it's been better. But then again, I guess I can't really uh, make any assumptions until the actual word has come out on what the injury is because I have no uh, – I'm not trained to know what happened. What do you? What way do you put into what the NFL puts out? I would say that I put in what the team has to tell you is the most important thing. So they have to write something on the injury report. Um, The video, the nice thing about it is I can usually tell from the video what I think is going on. And then if the team comes out and says something close to that, I go, yeah, that's probably the case. I would say that in this day and age, the availability of information is just is just rampant. I mean, 20 years ago, they would say, oh, the guy has a sore knee. And, you know, he's not – you wouldn't hear much more after that. You know, I think that the, the, the league has done a pretty good job of, you know, the teams, they come out with this information. And even if they don't want the information to come out, it does eventually. You know, with Twitter, with all these reporters having so much access to these players – the coaches are getting asked constantly about them. Something's going to slip that tells me more about the injury than maybe what they wanted uh, one person here. So I, I think the information just being so readily available has made it easier for the in, the injury specifics to kind of come out. Now, there's two things that I kind of want to point out here with these specifics. And the reason that it's hard sometimes to kind of do – a full like to be a hundred you can't be a hundred percent with any injury in the NFL. And part of that is because obviously health information, you can't just go spout you know, and a doctor can't go spouting out what is going on with a player. That's not legally allowed. They're protected. Just like you and I are protected from our doctors going and telling everyone um kind of what's going on with our health records. So you don't get any first hand information unless the player or the coach tells you. And the player and the coach they are not going to just let you know kind of what exactly is going on. There's no competitive advantage to being honest about an injury. You know, telling your opponent where you're hurt is not the not really good business for the player or or the team. So, you know, I think sometimes this can get kind of misconstrued and I think that sometimes it's I, I wonder why more teams don't kind of, you know, twist the bend the rules a little bit on this. You know, mm-hmm. last year, the Jags, for whatever reason, they repeatedly ruled out Leonard Fournette like on Monday of this of the week. They would say, oh, yeah, he's not playing on Sunday for like four straight weeks. They were mm-hmm. like, yeah, Leonard Fournette, he's out this week. Mm-hmm. And I just 
I'm sitting here like t- talking about these injuries and every week I'm like, I don't understand why they're doing this. There's no competitive advantage to telling the team that you're playing the next week. Hey, by the way, one of our best players isn't going to play. Right. right. You know, why are you not keeping them in the dark with this? And I think that that's kind of the difference between some of these really savvy coaches like your Bill Belichick, for example. You don't ever hear him say, oh, yeah, so-and-so is not going to play. You know, Tom Brady's got a, a hurt thumb. Uh, he's not he, he's going to be limited this week uh, and he's not going to play in the game. You're never going to hear that from from Bill Belichick. So it's just I just don't understand sometimes uh, why certain teams don't kind of tweak the rules in their favor because it, right. it's a competitive advantage. You'd think that they would want to actually say that a player is likely to play when they're not if you're going to bend the rules because you would like the other team to prepare for them. Like Tom Brady, you want to prepare for Tom Brady's 100%, not Tom Brady's 75%. But one thing that came to mind a little bit when we were talking about how the information gets leaked and what they're required to say is just kind of how did we get Andrew Luck's situation uh, where we just didn't know all year if he was going to be playing or not until he was out for the year? Well, so this is where you got to kind of you got to take what they're saying with a grain of salt. So no medical expert came out and said, hey, by the way, I think uh, Andrew Luck's 100% ready to go. A lot of it was the owner. Um, a lot of it was the coach at the time. A lot of it was Andrew Luck himself saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty close. And that's exactly what I would expect the owner, the coach, and the player to say. You know, They're not going to tell you that Andrew Luck's got a bum shoulder. I mean, mm-hmm. again, it goes back to that. There's no competitive advantage for them telling – their team, the other teams, like oh, by the way, Andrew Luck, he may come back, but he probably won't. Um, I think with Luck situation specifically, really we got we got a lot of hype building up. We got a lot of inf- misinformation from these sources that you can't trust them. I mean, anything a coach, a player, you know, especially an owner like Jim Irsay, they're telling you what they want you to hear. They're not telling mm-hmm. you what is actually the truth. Um, and I think that with Luck specifically, I think he was close to coming back that season. And I think that as soon as he started throwing and throwing at, you know, a high level, you know, deeper passes, really throwing his arm around, I think he realized, hey, wait a second, I'm still not where I need to be to be the guy. Right. And when you're talking about as much money as these guys are getting put into you know this is a, that's 150 million dollars you're putting on andrew luck's shoulder right if you're mm-hmm. a businessman even if it's not football if you're a businessman there makes no sense to put him out at less than 100 percent when your team's already you know not very good yep. they had a bad start to the season you've got a replaceable quarterback in there right now why are you putting the future of your franchise out there in a situation where he's not 100 percent? it just didn't make sense um and we'll get in, I think, a little bit later into the practical terms. I've got a little bit of an example on on why maybe we shouldn't have been as low as on Andrew Luck as we were last offseason. And before Chris gets to the next question, Cam Newton right now, similar situation except for yeah, exactly. Ron Rivera didn't say anything. Like We still had Cam Newton trying to play games where he couldn't throw 35 yards, and then we saw Cam Newton not be able to throw a hitch. And then we see the backup coming in to throw a Hail Mary. But yet, Cam Newton gets trotted out there with no injury designation. Uh, The Panthers were better than the Colts at the time. But that just goes to show you there's definitely variance in the coaching. Oh, absolutely. Ron Rivera didn't say anything. And he just kept trotting Cam out there. And then you find out at the end of the year, Cam made his own documentary on the shoulder surgery that he obviously needed. But all season, it's like, no, he's fine. Which I thought was kind of kind of interesting. Uh, last thing, though, uh, I guess this is something I was just thinking about as we were having this conversation because we were talking about the league in and of itself and and kind of the strides that they've made in terms of providing medical information, but also the examinations in and of themselves. So I wanted to see, I guess, your take on the 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 medical blue tents that they now have, like on the field. I would think that on one side, the the medical practitioner in you is probably fascinated in the in the sense that they can now perform some of these examinations on the field. You can have a, a either a neurologist or some sort of you know physical therapist there available in order to perform the examinations on the field. But 
I'm sure the fantasy gamer in you wants to be able to see what those examinations are being done, but we can't because we've got that blue tent in the way. So just having you on here, I wanted to ask and get your opinion on this. Again, the while the idea, I think, is great from an NFL standpoint and from a player standpoint, but for us, of course, we would want, it, we want that information. We want to see what's going on inside that tent. So I wanted to get your opinion on them. Yeah, man, those blue tents are, are really frustrating sometimes. I mean, you know, I get it from a from a, a team perspective. It makes a lot of sense. OK, you've got everybody there. I mean, you've got doctors. The whole training staff is on the sideline the whole time anyway. Um, part of the issue, I think, is they want to get the, if they're OK, if it's just a quick concussion screen or something like that. Um, not too quick, but if it's quick. Uh, they want to be able to just do that right on the field because, you know, we need to get these guys out out on the field. If they're actually okay, you know, we want to be able to check them as quickly as possible. So I get the blue tents in that regard. I get the blue tents from uh, the NFL's perspective of, you know, you, they are getting receiving actual medical care. You can't just have, you know, fans being able to, to shout stuff at them. You know, it gives the, the medical professionals that are in there with them a little bit of privacy uh, when they're surrounded by, you know, 40,000 people or however many people are in that stadium at the time. So I get that from from just um, it's better for the doctors to be able to kind of hear what they're saying and, and not have a thousand eyes kind of on them. I think from a. a competitive perspective it makes a whole lot of sense because you don't want the other team they have they there's plenty of guys that are up in the booth that can do exactly what i can do and say hey they're looking at so-and-so's right knee uh we think you know he may be kind of vulnerable there you know i'm not saying that they're headhunting out there but it's a violent game and if somebody just happens to fall on somebody else's leg you know i think these things happen it's just kind of natural you know at that level to kind of see some things where hey you know, especially with like an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. If, you know, if your offensive lineman is weak on their on their outside leg, you might start attacking that outside leg. Mm -hmm. So it gives them a little bit of uh, uh, security in that the other team can't see what they're doing. Now, from my fantasy perspective, I hate it. I hate those tents, man. <laughs> exactly. We do those too. tents suck. Uh, I wish I could see in those tents because again, it goes back to man. If I could just see what they were doing, I could I could tell you pretty much on the spot for the majority of injuries hey so-and-so has you know there's a little bit of, of looseness with his mcl may not be at 100 percent. they're probably going to put a brace on him at halftime he might play he might not play but they don't <laughs> they don't let us so they don't let me sit there and look at him so at that point i just kind of say you know if they come out of the tent and they go straight to the sideline, it's a better sign than if they come out of the tent and they head to the locker room. Exactly. So if they head to the locker room, you're talking x-rays and MRIs, most likely. So, Yeah. yeah. Especially when, because I know we're talking about some of the more catastrophic injuries, like if we're looking for the ACL, if we're looking for the concussion, some of the things that would take a player out for almost either immediately from that game or that's something that's going to have at least delay them getting back onto the field. But when it comes to some of those soft tissue injuries that can sometimes pile up for wide receivers and running backs, uh, they might not be as, uh, I guess, not necessarily easy to detect, but they could be something a player would want to play through, right? Because they could be, it's more or less, um, I think I've heard the analogy of soft, soft tissue injuries are like when the check engine light comes on. You know, you, might, you don't necessarily, not something's not wrong right then or something catastrophic might not be going on right then, but it's, Something is going to happen sooner or later if it's not dealt with. So with those, we're not actually able to, with those blue tents, we're not actually able to see what they're actually testing for. If it's a quad, if it's a hammy, if it's a calf, uh, you know, what specific area that they're trying to look for. So for players like Julio Jones, that's, that's had a number of, uh, you know, soft tissue injuries, players of that ilk, uh, that are, those are some of the things that at least we'd like to be able to see if they're having those types of examinations. Yeah, I would love to know kind of what they what they do in those blue tents. Maybe maybe someday if I ever get in one, I'll, I'll let you guys know kind of what goes down in them we'll if, be, I, if we'll, I can. We'll be following your timeline to find out if that's possible. Uh, but now I guess, uh, but I guess that leads into our our next discussion in that um, we always tend to freak out. I guess as the fantasy community, whenever injuries do occur, like a player gets a concussion, 
uh, then we go back through their injury history. We see how many concussions that they've that they've had or they sustained over their entire career. So players like Devonta Freeman, not Jordan Reed, that's racked up quite a few. We we try and figure out well how is that going to impact the, or possibly decrement the, the their value over the life of their their career. So from your experience, I guess how do our our injuries overvalued? Are they overemphasized when they tr- when we try and uh, talk about uh, either buying, selling, trading specific players, or do you think they are something that, at least from a general sense, we properly bake them into their value as these things go, as these things occur? Yeah, I think it's kind of a case by case basis. I think certain players kind of get typecast into this idea of being injury prone or at a greater risk of injury, uh, kind of unfairly. You know, I, I was big on Keenan Allen for a long time. I still am a big Keenan Allen fan. And I feel like the, the there's a difference between a guy who misses a lot of time from various injuries and a guy who misses a lot of times time from various injuries that also put him at risk of future injury. So injuries themselves aren't all uh, – they don't all add to like future injury risk. You know, obviously your soft tissue things, your hamstring strains, your your ankle sprains, your concussions, these are all things that we know. Once you get one, the next one's easier, the next one's easier, the symptoms are usually longer. With a thing like a broken bone, uh it's very common, yeah. A broken bone's a major injury to a normal person. It's a major injury to a, a football player. They may miss six games in a season from a broken clavicle or a broken arm. But these aren't necessarily injuries that put them at risk f- down the road for another broken arm or another, you know, broken scapula or whatever it is. You know, typically I look at bone breaks as, man, that sucks. Um, as long as it's not in your ankle, I'm, I'm probably not going to, if it's an arm break, probably not going to break your arm eight times uh, in an NFL season. Same thing with like, an ACL, an ACL tear increases your risk for another ACL tear on the other side. You're also at an increased risk for an ACL tear on that side. But you don't see guys tear their ACLs six times. You know, you do see a guy miss six games uh, a season from hamstring strains, from ankle sprains. You know, and those are those injuries that I tend to emphasize more so just because a guy like keenan allen had missed a lot of games doesn't necessarily mean that he missed a lot of games from injuries that make him injury prone i guess if that makes sense now your jordan reeds of the world they're injury prone i'm sorry there's nothing to, there's nothing you can do <laughs> i mean he's got he's got concussion he's got toe. Uh, multiple toe and foot injuries these are things that as soon as you get one the next one's easier so i think in that regard Yes, injuries can be overemphasized or underemphasized. Now, let's go back to like a guy like Andrew Luck. And this one, this is one that I was kind of, I didn't understand at the time because I just kind of got into really the, the industry of talking about injuries in fantasy football. But I kept seeing all this Andrew Luck hate coming out. You know, we got bad news report after bad news report. You know, he's not playing. Then, you know, he's not throwing the football. Um, And these are things that, yes, they're concerning at the time. But I think you have to take a step back and go, okay, he had a shoulder injury. He's a quarterback. That's not not ideal. Uh, He's he's a multi – I mean, he's the face of a franchise, so they're not going to just trot him out with just any old recovery pattern and look at everything else that the team did last off season. So while Andrew Luck's value is tanking just as low as it's going to go, look at what the team is doing. They're investing a top 10 pick and arguably the best pure prospect in the draft in Quentin Nelson. I don't think that there was a more pro ready prospect than Quentin Nelson was at, at offensive guard. They added another offensive lineman with the 37th pick. So a top 50 pick, Martinez. two top 50 picks mm-hmm. in the top, you know, in, in a pretty good draft class. Right. So they have in the offensive line. Okay. You don't do that if you don't think Andrew Luck's coming back. Okay. Mm -hmm. They also spent some time adding players to the offense so that when he does come back, he has a better offense around him. You know, they added Naheem Hines, a very good pass catching back. They added Eric Ebron, an underrated pass catching tight end. 
They added Jordan Wilkins and Deion Kane, who also kind of flashed before his own injury, sadly. But mm-hmm. the point is that they, they spent a lot of capital and a lot of time going, hey, let's prepare this team to be good when Andrew Luck, our cornerstone, the most important guy on the field, comes back. And at the same time, everyone's going, oh, he's never going to play again. And his value is tanking. And I'm just, I'm just looking around like, guys, what are you doing? They literally have addressed every single issue that they needed to address to ensure that Andrew Luck was coming back and yet still his value is tanking because you guys haven't seen him on a football field in a year. It just didn't make sense to me. Everything the team was telling us was, hey, Andrew Luck's coming back and he's going to be dang good. And then you look at Andrew Luck and he's, of course, beefed up. You know, he's preparing <laughs> to come back. Uh, he's preparing to come back. So, I mean, and, and it worked. That's the thing. It, it worked 100%. It's the first time in Andrew Luck's career that he hasn't been hit over a hundred times uh, from QB hits, which is a huge factor that plays into quarterback injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, so obviously the offense looked pretty good. I think they still might be adding some offensive pieces this year, but it worked. I mean, they made the playoffs and they looked pretty darn good. So I think that that one that that was one that I feel like we overemphasized that injury way too much. Way too much. Everything the team was telling us was, hey, he's going to be good to go this year. And yet still the narrative was, oh, you know, just trade him now because he, he might never play again. Right. You know, and I think it works both ways. So, yes, Andrew Luck was a bad, you know, that was, we screwed up from the Dynasty community perspective. You know, we missed on that value, you know, because obviously now he's a top three Dynasty quarterback. On the flip side, you got a guy like Carson Wentz. Major knee surgery. Repairing his ACL and LCL, he had two ligaments, so two out of the four were completely torn, had surgery in November, and his value went up in 2018. Like, I don't get it. I know he had a great year, but I think people were not emphasizing the injury enough. So when he misses two games to start the year, that's a huge deal. When he has injuries later on in the year, that's expected with uh, with a major knee surgery like this. Now, obviously, you're not expecting a, a vertebrae fracture in his back, but mm-hmm. the point is he was doomed to have a down 2018. So if you're paying big-time premium prices after an injury like that, you're, you're playing yourself. You're playing yourself. So I think it works both ways. Sometimes we way overvalue them, and sometimes we way undervalue them. So I think that... You kind of just have to decide where each player fits on that spectrum. Are you getting a discount? If you're not getting a discount for an injured player, you shouldn't be trading for them. Yeah, exactly. And I think just from the nature of those particular injuries, I think that's kind of what was the cause for concern because everybody looked at, well, if it was, let's say, an ACL tear for Andrew Luck, I don't think there would be as much of a cause for concern. But since it was a an injury sustained to his throwing shoulder, obviously you need that. So then there is a cause for concern. And the same thing for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was known, while he wasn't, I guess, known for his scrambling, but him being able to move out of the pocket and still continue to make plays in that Doug Peterson offense, that was a part of what made him great. So if you take that away, and that's not going to be now part of his skill set or part of his weaponry when he's on the field, then of course now we have to devalue him as a quarterback within that system. So that is all the nature of that injury was what kind of took away from his value. So that is where, I guess, looking at the nature of the injuries themselves can kind of give us a sense of, well, how do we need to now, I guess, reassess the value of the quarter of that, of that particular player? And I guess the same thing would go for any of the pass catchers, right? So if a pass catcher, like you were just mentioning, Jordan Reed, if the, if the concussions, the soft, tinch, the, the soft tissue injuries, anything that saps your ability to run routes, be a quick twitch player on the field in order to gain separation and then move down the field or run down the seam, then of course you're not able to produce at the same level. So valuing both not just the injury itself, but the type of injury in regards to how does it affect the, uh, the ability for that player to produce and to continue to produce once they get back out on the field, those are all things that we need to take into context uh, when, we, when we try and revalue or reassess those, those particular players. Before we, before we jump into the practical application, I wanted to get um, your opinion on this one, Ethan, because I agree that we screwed up on Andrew Luck. I was a bit bullish on him because I don't really buy that a player that young is never going to play Again, I mean, his shoulder would have to be trashed for him to never play again. But now we have Cam Newton. 
So how can we um, how can we fix our screw up this time around? Well, I think that ultimately it's it's how you interpret what's happening with Cam Newton. I think we may see the opposite um, of what we had with so many people screwed up the luck evaluation. And now I think you see a very similar uh, kind of scenario where, hey, he's obviously hurt. Um, this is this is actually closer to what Andrew Luck was in 2016, where he did play through a shoulder injury and then he had surgery after the fact. And they said, oh, man, you know, we let him basically shred his sh- shoulder up while because we we forced him to play. Um, so I, the the thing that I would say with Cam Newton, and there's not a lot of uh, information on this currently because it's the off season and they don't really have to come out and nobody has to answer any tough questions about it is with cam newton the good news is that when they came out after the surgery right after the fact the reports were pretty positive it was hey it was not as bad as we thought obviously he was hurt he needed this surgery but it wasn't we didn't get into that shoulder and say oh my gosh this is a mess now you got to take that with a grain of salt these are not they don't have any incentive to be honest about it um, but they will tell us kind of how Cam Newton is doing as we go through the off season. You know, if Cam Newton shows up the first day of summer practices and he's throwing and he's looking like he's doing pretty well, by all means, there you go. Bye. Um, if you're going to buy Cam Newton, you do it ideally right before that. And you look for some positive news right before camp starts. Like, Hey, is the rumbling that he's going to play? Then you go buy because as soon as the news comes out that he is a hundred percent, guess what? Value whoop, right back up. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take long for guys to go, Oh, you know, uh, as soon as Andrew Luck threw a football, I swear his ADP went up four rounds. So yeah. Yeah. as soon as some positive news comes out, it doesn't take long for the dynasty community to go, Oh, wait a second. You know, this is totally wrong. We shouldn't have these guys, you know, at their ADP right now. So, I think if you're going to buy, I typically say uh, 40% of the way through the recovery. So if the timeline they gave you at the beginning of the recovery is 10 months, you're, you're buying at four months because typically that's enough time. If something's going to go wrong, I call it the 40% rule. If something's going to go wrong, it's going to happen in that first 25% of the recovery timeline. That's when you're going to see your infections. You know, That's when you're going to see, hey, something's wrong. We need to go back in. Those are the, the big things that are going to keep decreasing your value happen in that first 25%. Once you hit 50%, it's all uphill. So that's when the news starts coming out. Hey, by the way, everything's on track. We're doing great. So you want to buy right before that, that, that upward trajectory starts going up. Um, so 40% is kind of what I say. So, you know, and you can apply that to anything. Just do the math. I'm not going to do a bunch of math on you right now because it, it doesn't really, I'm, I'm not Peter Howard. So I'm not going to be able to hit you guys with some math like he, he did last Peter week. Peter just, just does it all in spreadsheets. It's fine. He wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I love Peter. I, it wasn't a slight of Peter at all. I'm just saying that's not my strategy. I'm just saying 40% of the recovery timeline, that's when you kind of, that's your sweet spot as far as buying because that's when you're really going to get the, you're still going to get that discount because there's still a little uncertainty. Are they going to come back? Are they not going to come back? You're still getting the discount of they haven't done anything great in the last, you know, there's no good news coming out that's going to yeah. start shooting that value up. And, mm-hmm. and that's where I would go. With that. Dude, that's incredibly interesting. Um, I had never put a number on it. However, I'd always been interested in buying players that have any sort of injury designation because uh, the dynasty community is very reactive and not very many people seek out the information like podcasts like this that have you on to tell us to wait for 40% through a recovery. So instead they see that a player's injured and in their mind he's injured until he's not injured. But now you see Cam Newton, who's perennially top six uh, ranked behind Mitchell Trubisky. And, and nobody's really questioning it. it. And it makes sense to most people. It makes absolutely zero sense to me. So we don't have a lot of time to get into when to buy, but I'm so glad that you got that tidbit. And that is, that is excellent information. 
Yeah, uh, and it, I know we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but if anyone listening is interested in buying Dynasty players that are injured, I actually did a five-step guide, um, and that was the first article that I did for Dynasty Happy Hour. So you can go into Dynasty Happy Hour, you can just look five steps to buying injured players in Dynasty, and it goes through the process that I go through when I'm deciding, hey, you know, is this guy worth buying? Is he not worth buying? And and really, I, I think it's a pretty good article, you know, not to toot my own horn, but it's a pretty good article at kind of going through all the steps that you need to do to get that process in. So just another shameless plug there. Okay. All right. I, I like it. So I, I'm hoping at some point, remind me, Adam, but let's see if we can find the link for that and then tweet that out once we actually uh, get the show out next week. Yeah. So that we'll do that. So in either case, so now moving into the practical application for of the show. So now we have uh, at least an idea of how to approach injuries. We've talked about previous injuries, but let's talk about the current uh, the state of the NFL currently. So we've had uh, some free agency movements. I don't know if anybody's heard, but we've had some pretty cool trades. Uh, I'm now a Browns fan for you know case in point. But, <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, regardless of that fact, but we all we would have had some actual some other moves within uh, within the NFL that at least make some people sit back and kind of say, hmm, like how is this team really evaluating uh, this particular player or looking at the injury sustained to the players on their current roster? So I wanted to ask. I mean, do you see some, any of the moves that have either happen in free agency or at least how teams have been responding to any of the uh, combine or rookie class right now that makes you think that some of the players that they currently have their injury on their roster aren't really going to be there much longer or that player might come back from injury and see themselves involved in a timeshare so for instance uh, something like I know it's probably not a huge QB controversy, but Ryan Tannehill going to the Titans, I see, is something that's at least it's something that makes you say it makes you go, hmm. You know, Mariota, while he came in with a bunch of hype, he hasn't really lived up to that. And then the injury sustained uh, last season is just something to make you pause for a second. Now, Tannehill is not somebody that I would consider to be, uh, you know, a, a QB starter in waiting. But still, a team taking somebody that was just starting in the league last year and picking them up, uh, it's just, again, it's, it's something that kind of made me pause for a second and think, well, is there something more to this? Or, or, or now am I overemphasizing injuries at this point? So I was wondering if you had any other examples, or if you've seen any other, any other movements that, as an injury specialist, has made you go, there might be something here that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll touch on the Tannehill move move because i really do feel like that says a little bit uh, about kind of just where the titans are as an organization with mariota with mariota's injury it's a nerve issue so the problem with nerves is that they don't they don't heal like other tissues in the body it takes a long long time to heal nerves nerves can heal as long as they're not in the spinal cord uh, but they can, they, so this arm injury that he has, that's really kind of caused him some numbness in his hand. He can't grip the ball as well. It's going to take him a while to kind of get over that. And it's going to really, there's nothing you can do except for take some time. So I think that this move says a lot about kind of where they think about Mariota's health. I'm not saying that Mariota's not going to start next year because I do think he will. Oh, right. Yes, um, and I'm not saying, not saying that that means that Tannehill is this great quarterback that's going to even push him for the starter's job. But I think it's interesting that that was what they were willing to give up for a quality backup quarterback. I mean, like you said, he's not a barn burner, but we aren't too far removed from Tannehill throwing for 4,000 yards. Which, by the way, Mariota has never done. Tannehill's done twice. So I don't think that it, you can't just look at it and go, oh, that's just a depth move. You know, they'll make that trade if they really feel 100% that Mariota is going to make it through the whole season, which he also hasn't done um, since he got to the NFL. He's never played 16 games. So I think from that regard, you actually, you have to pay attention to it. Now, I'm not going to say that that means Mariota isn't playing. I just think that that's important. Other one that kind of gets me a little bit, um, and it's not a, again, it's not a huge, um, fantasy implication, but I think it's just interesting to kind of note is Randall Cobb going to Dallas. So obviously Alan Hearns injury, probably one of the most brutal ones that we had last season. I mean, Full ankle dislocation with a fracture. Not surprising that he had the fracture because anytime you dislocate your ankle, that's major trauma. So, I thought were one of the worst I've seen. 
Yeah, very similar injuries. Same thing with Alex Smith. You know, all three very similar injuries. You know, anytime a guy gets taken down from behind his ankle snaps the way that those guys did, that's that's pretty major major injury. Um, but I think that Randall Cobb going to Dallas tells me that one, they don't expect Alan Hearns to be a hundred percent, and if they do, they don't expect it to last that way. Two, I think it says a lot about you know where they are as as an organization from wide receiver depth because even though I personally like Amari Cooper as your wide receiver two or three on your team, I don't want him as my wide receiver one in Dynasty, but he's a good player to have because he's going to give you those boom weeks. Outside of that, I mean, I liked Michael Gallup last coming into last season. I think he's a perfect wide receiver two in the NFL. But they don't have really much else as far as pass catchers. You know, Cole Beasley left. Alan Hearns is obviously kind of uncertain if he's even going to play next year. I think he does. But I think this was more of just one of those moves where they said, hey, we need some wide receiver depth and we need it pretty badly. So uh, I think that one's interesting as well. Yeah, I think that's actually I was just talking about that uh, a couple days ago after or shortly after the signing, because, again, if you do look at the team from a holistically it's how what's the trickle down effect adding a player like randall cobb i mean how does that play off of uh the value of ezekiel elliott i mean because we did see him having something of an outlier year in terms of the number of receptions so if you now have at least uh, a plethora of receivers available for deck to throw to like how does that impact him he'll still get a t- you know the lion's share of the touches out of the backfield but now is he actually going to be able to hit those what 77 targets that he had last season i don't really think that is you know possible yeah so it's it's probably not going to be the case but uh, again but it, i would still rank him at, his value in dynasty right now i think is is safe but still is one of those it was one of those moves that made me kind of pause and think about how we are going to value all of the cowboys that are, are going to be available for us to draft in the 2019 season uh, i think but, it ends up being uh, a big step up from Gallup, and then cobb being the the cole beasley upgrade um mm-hmm. it's kind of what they want to see because hearns wasn't nearly as involved as he should have been anyways and i definitely think from the injury perspective they're just like hey if he comes back he's a bonus but the moves so far have definitely told me Gallup is probably going to have to try to take a step forward and they're moving on without him so i mean that says a lot about that type of injury yeah exactly so i'm thinking that uh that if I were to draft at this point, I would say that the the greatest value should be within. I mean, Dak should be able to take that, uh, make that step, take that step forward and move the team because now he has another playmaker that can help in, in converting third downs, keeping the team offense on schedule, and then continue to move the matriculate the ball down the field. So I just that's what I see happening, but I guess we'll have to wait until September in order to actually. For what see it's it. worth, I mean, you can joke about how old he is, but. Uh, he's still going to be a first down machine. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, do it. I mean, he in in Dak's fairness. I mean, I've never been as high as on him as I should have been. But in fairness, I mean, he's been top ten every year that he's started. But if he's going to be um, considered where probably Cam's been considered, uh, it's going to have to be this year. I would agree with that. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's absolutely fair. All right, just so just kind of wrap things up, Ethan. First of all, uh, thank you for sitting down with us tonight and uh, kind of walking us through your process. And I think the tidbits that you've, you, the nuggets that you've left us with, I think, are quite valuable in how we assess injuries, how we value players that ha- are going either through the injury rehabilitation process or that's happened on the field and we have to deal with that for the the weeks uh, afterwards uh, but before we get you on out of here man just want to give you a quick second to say i mean the floor is yours if you had any other information to provide to the listeners uh, any uh content that you have coming out here over the next uh, couple of weeks or throughout the off season rather i know we got the NFL draft coming up. So any dynasty content you have coming, I mean, pimp, whatever you've got going on, man, the floor is yours. Yeah. So you can always find me on Twitter at E Turner, FF underscore PT. I'm, I'm super open. Anytime anyone tags me in anything, I try to give my opinion on that. 
Um, I'll be a, a little a little caught up trying to get my licensure in. I got a big exam in July, but I am doing those injury histories, like I said, probably the most extensive uh, rookie injury history uh, collection that you'll find in the market. In fact, I, I kind of pride myself on that being the case. So, you know, as of right now, I've got close to 50 wide receivers nearly 40 running backs i think 20 something quarterbacks and 20 tight ends in this year's class that i'm doing full injury risk assessments on and that is all going to be available to anyone through the dynasty 101 rookie digest um and that's just my part of it that's just the injury part of it wow um obviously we have breakdowns for all those players um, it's, it's a, it's a big piece of, it's a big piece of work. You know, we got five or six really good guys working on that. So definitely want to, want to get that plugged in there. As far as the rest of this off season, I'm going to be writing a few articles, um, for dynasty happy hour and maybe get some, some work in with, uh, fantasy football statistics. Um, if they'll let me get some of that sweet, sweet data, uh, and I'm going to be talking about kind of the rookies in this class and really who do you need to look out for? And who really do you is being said that you need to look out for? That's that's not really the case. So kind of kind of busting some myths as far as the the rookies in this class. And then obviously in season, um, got a lot of content that I that is not official yet. So I'm I'm not allowed to talk about it yet. But I can just tell you that I got big things coming for next season. Um, talking about injuries in season as well. So definitely check out all of that stuff. Excellent. I'll definitely be looking for that. And hopefully uh, anybody that's not following you should be uh, doing so as soon as this episode uh, drops. So, uh, But to kind of wrap up again, Adam, do we have anything for the listeners before we get on out of here? Yeah, first, thanks so much for coming on, Ethan. I mean, this is one of my favorite topics to discuss because I'm very anti-injury. And uh, I would like to break the stigma of uh, just seeing injury and freaking out. I mean, you have to, you have to take every single one. Um, with uh, with a grain of salt until until you've got the information out there. So let's stop the freaking out and let's uh, you know there's a difference between your Cam Newton and your Marcus Mariota, right? So glad you came on to get that information out there. Um, again, last week's episode, Peter Howard, that's out. Definitely check that out. Debbie Owner's Manual Combine episode, and then also the Post Hibernation Weight Loss Challenge. Please jump in there. I mean, we're going to try to raise so much money for charity. We've got so many cool, uh, cool prizes out there, and top ten, maybe fifteen, are going to be winners. So, you know, it's worth jumping in. Absolutely. So, uh, for Adam, find him on Twitter at AP Wildy. Uh, for myself, Chris Allen, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. We thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next week. 101 pick when it hits you feel no pain praying for the fantasy championship hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic